you, thank you. I'm so blessed that every one of you are here. This makes my heart so happy. Do you love what you see when you came in? Isn't it beautiful and magnificent? All of the applause goes to Miss Stephanie Martin right back there in the corner. Stephanie, you're a wonder worker. I gave her the idea and she just ran with the vision and she has worked here probably 14 hours a day or longer since uh, all day Thursday and Friday getting all of this uh, beautiful for us to enjoy. Doesn't it look like a Hallmark movie? (laughs) It looks like a Hallmark movie. I just, oh, and I think these could be in the window displays in New York City. They are so beautiful. Stephanie is a gifted, gifted, gifted person. So Stephanie, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for what you've done for us to bless us today. And all of you ladies who've done such a magnificent job on your tables, my goodness. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your participation in this. It just has blessed my heart so much. And I'd like my speaker, Lindsay, to come stand with me so you can see that we are matching angels. (laughs) My dear friend. I talked her into this. <laughs> One angel looks a whole lot cuter. <laughs> oh, I love Isn't she it. cute? She concocted this whole thing by herself. She picked it all out. She took me shopping. She bought my britches, bought my, <laughs> my coat. And I said, Carolyn, I may be wearing your outfit, but you're the angel. <laughs> oh, I love her. So, Thank you. You know what? I have to tell you this before she gets started. This cute lady has been talking about this for months. She has such a heart to make you all feel welcome and loved and honored and appreciated. And she has worked so hard, so excited. You have to see the tables. I'm going to send you a picture. No, I'm not. I'm going to let you be surprised. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, with what Stephanie, Stephanie, they didn't buy these. They made them. This is amazing. And Carolyn did this with such a heart for you all. And you're awesome. Aww. So the outfit fits you, my dear. I Thank paid, you. I paid her to say all of that. <laughs> no. God is so good. So good. And this is the only time of the year. Last year I couldn't do it. And so I skipped a year. So, oh, I wanted to bless you so much this year because I want you to truly know how much I genuinely love you and how dear you are to me. And Pastor Annette, she is my extension of love right here. If it weren't for her, oh my goodness. She is my arms extended to you every day of the week. And I love you, Annette, from the depths of my heart. And this precious one has just flown 29 hours or something from Kenya and is up and she said she can't dare close her eyes because she'd fall asleep. So they're, they're wide open so she can participate. So, Annette, without you, this, this wouldn't happen. So thank you so much. You are the love of my life. Thank you. Thank you. Are you ready to get started? Father, today I come before you as your humble servant. And I ask you to use me. Open my mouth and let your oracles flow forth that we be transformed by your word today in Jesus' name. Cause the ears of the uh, listeners to be open to receive and cause us to be elevated and our faith to have grown to a greater level in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Well, as you can see, our theme is angels. The dictionary definition of angel, I'm going to give you several. A spiritual being believed to act as an attendant, an agent, or a messenger of God, conventionally represented in form with wings and a long robe. Or an attendant spirit, especially a benevolent one. Or a being of the lowest order of the celestial hierarchy, which you know there are the, the archangels, okay? A person of exemplary conduct or virtue. And I know you've seen the ads on TV where this um, company is called Visiting Angels that goes and uh, will help the elderly or the shut-in. And so that is a person um, of exemplary conduct or virtue that is helping someone. Used in similes or comparisons to refer to a person's outstanding beauty, qualities, or abilities. Used in approval when a person has been or is expected to be kind or willing to oblige. Or used as a term of endearment. I use that term, my angel, all the time because on my phone, my contact list, it's Angel Jerry Ann, Angel Terry, Angel Jerry, Angel Markey, Angel Preston, Angel Madison, Angel Cassidy. I have all my angels listed. So it's a term of endearment. And I've called them my angels all of their life. My daughter, Jerry Ann, even had a store in Colorado called Mimi's Angels. And she had a big portrait of, of me and all the few little grandchildren that were born back then in the front of her store when you walked in. And it was called Mimi's Angels. So it is a term of endearment, and I use it all the time. Uh, God's name, Yahweh Saboth, is translated God of the Angels. As I did my research and discovered that there are over 500 scriptures in the Bible pertaining to angels. I was surprised, and you may be too, when I give you that number, you may be surprised that there are that many mentioned in the Bible. There are some people today who are obsessed with angels, and it becomes something that causes them to go overboard. Looks like I went overboard today, but, you know, I'm not possessed or obsessed with them. But there is a fascination in America today with angels. USA Today had angels on their cover, and a recent uh, commercial interest in angels as well. The New Age religion has embraced the idea of angels because New Age is anything goes, and they step over the line and start talking about the angel within uh, and getting in touch with your angel, which to them is nothing but uh, channeling the spirit and the spirit world. So this is very satanic, and we don't want to be involved in any of that. There's a lot of misunderstanding and misconception about angels, and I want to talk about that today and clarify some of it for us. There are even stores that have nothing but angel figurines and angel charms and angel pictures and angel pens, and it's growing across the nation. Um, with a lot of spiritual issues, the tr truth remains between these two extremes. So let's not be ignorant. Let's learn what the Bible says about them and not be obsessed with them, but let's see what God's Word says today, Okay. We imagine angels to be very beautiful, winged beings dressed in white cloaks and almost glowing with an aura of a bodily, engulfing a halo. I almost tried to find a halo to wear today, you know, but I thought that was going a little overboard. <laughs> so I want to give you a few myths about angels, okay? Myths. Angels are human beings who have died. 
A lot of people think angels are people who have died and gone to heaven and somehow got wings and became angels. Here's the biblical facts that angels are spiritual beings created by God. Where did we get the idea that angels are human beings who've died? From a lot of folklore and a lot of Hollywood. A lot of us, have you watched a lot of Hallmark movies this season? Where there's so many angels that come back to help people, you know? So um, we got it from Hollywood and not from God's Word. So have you ever seen the old Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life? I love to watch it. So it's with Jimmy Stewart, and he plays George Bailey, who gets in financial trouble and decides to jump off the bridge and commit suicide so that his family can have his insurance, the money from his insurance policy. At just the right time, the guardian angel comes along, a bumbling kind of guy. His name is called Clarence. He tries to prove to George Bailey that he shouldn't try to take his own life. I mean, you all know the movie, right? And Clarence is just a second-class angel back in the 1800s where he died, and he's trying to earn his wings. It's so funny. So he's been working for years to earn his wings. So he saved, you know, um, Jimmy Stewart, George Bailey, from jumping off the bridge. So as the family's standing around the Christmas tree, and little Juju says, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. And Jimmy Stewart looks up and says, boy, Clarence. Clarence earned his wings finally after hundreds of years. <laughs> hundreds of years, Clarence earned his wings. Well, I'm here to tell you that we don't earn our wings. Let me give you another myth, second myth. When a loved one dies, some well-meaning Christian says something like, well, God has another angel. I know what you mean. Your loved one is in heaven, but God does not have another angel. He has another saint who has gone to heaven. Another saint that's gone to heaven. The angels look like cute little cherubs, like my table right here. Like cute little cherubs. These are not what our angels look like. This is, this is folklore. This is a myth. This is what happened, you know, in, uh, down through history. Like little Cupid flying around with his, you know, bow and arrows. Uh, so another myth that angels have wings. Angels do not have wings. Does that come as a surprise to you? Angels do not have wings. The only thing closely resembling the idea that angels have wings in the Bible is the cherubim. And they're, uh, they are the ones that had uh, the face of the lion, the face of the eagle, the face of the ox, and the face of a man. They had wings, multiple wings, and wheels within wheels. But the angels you read about in the Bible do not have wings. They appear as men. Do you remember? And I'm getting ahead of all my notes. But do you remember in the Bible when the three men walked up to, to Abraham? And one was Jesus and two angels. Well, they didn't have wings. The two angels didn't have wings. They were just men that were taken in. And do you remember how that when... Um, well, let me just talk instead of looking at my notes when I do that. But do you remember how that... Uh, the Lord Jesus negotiated with Abraham and uh, got it down from 50. If there were 50 righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah, he would not destroy the city. And he kept negotiating and working with him. He said, if there are two righteous. Well, there were not even two righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the two angels went on to Sodom and Gomorrah to carry out the verdict that God has sent from heaven. And it says, as the two angels came into Sodom and Gomorrah, that Lot entreated them to come into his home. 
where he fed them. He washed their feet and he fed them. Well, you know the story how that the wicked and evil, God wanted to see if the perverseness of Sodom and Gomorrah was really as bad as what had come up before him. And it was. And uh, the men of the city were so into homosexuality, they come beating on Lot's door and wanted to break down his door so they could be intimate with the men that had come into uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. But as you know the story, the angels pulled uh, Lot back into the house and closed the door and struck the young men, young men and old men, with dazzling blindness, it says. And then all of a sudden, the angels told Lot, get your family out, get your, your daughters, your son-in-laws, get everybody out that you want to live because God has rained judgment on these cities. And he got them out, you know the story. But you think, two angels, two, were responsible for destroying two cities. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? That two angels destroyed two major cities. All right, let's continue on. The idea of wings entered Christianity through the idea of paganism. Many of the pagan gods had wings, and this was the only uh, way of flying, they thought. Well, that's not the way God gets his angels around. They're teleported. They're moved. You know how Superman raises his hands like that, his cape flies out behind him? Well, our angels don't have to do that. They are just teleported by the speed of light. It's amazing to me, you know, how powerful God is. And I'm sure God is having, I love it when my children are having fun and enjoying something. And I know he's enjoying us today, our portrait of what angels look like. And he's chuckling and having a good laugh at what his kids are doing down here. So I don't think he's, he's frowning on what we're doing. I think he is enjoying what we're doing, that we are talking about his glory and honoring him today. So Psalms 103, 20 and 21 says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto his word. Bless you the Lord, all you his host, who ministers are ministers of his that do his pleasure. That's what the angels are for, to minister and do his pleasure. Now I want to talk about the angels. Um, Matthew 26, 53 says, Do you not think that I cannot pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? How much strength do you think one angel possesses? Let's look at these questions. What is a legion? And how many angels would there be in 12 legions? And what would be the combined strength of the number of angels? It's so important to know the answers to these questions because they reveal the might that was available to Jesus that night when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane had he requested supernatural help. So actually, when we take into account the power that was demonstrated in the Garden and then add the potential assistance and impact of 12 legions of angels... It becomes obvious that there was no human force on earth that was strong enough to take Jesus against his will. The only way he was going to be taken was if he allowed himself to be taken. This is why later he told Pilate, you could have no power at all against me except it were given to you from above. Let's begin with our first question, what is a legion? The word legion is a military term that was taken from the Roman army 
And a legion is a group of at least 6,000 Roman soldiers, and it could be more, but 6,000 is a legion. So an amazing example of this is found in Mark 5, 9, where the Bible tells us that the demon-possessed man of the Gadarenes had a legion of demons. This means this man was infested, had an infestation of 6,000 evil spirits or demon spirits in him. So let's now look at the second question. How many angels would there be in 12 legions? 6,000 angels multiplied times 12 is 72,000 angels. But Jesus said the Father would give him more than 12 legions. Therefore, you conclude that there was potentially many additional thousands of angels available to Jesus the night that he was arrested. So let's look at the third question. What would be the combined strength of that number of angels? Angels powerful, in fact. Isaiah 37, 36 records that a single angel obliterated 185,000 men in one night. One angel did that. So if a single angel had that kind of power, how much combined strength could there be in 12 legions of angels? Since a single angel obliterated 185,000 men, it would mean the combined strength of a legion of 6,000 angels would be enough to destroy 1,110,000,000 people. Pretty amazing, isn't it? And that's just the combined power in one legion of angels. Now let's multiply the same 185,000 with 12 legions or 72,000 angels. When we do, we find that there was enough combined strength at Jesus' disposal to annihilate at least 13,320,000,000 people, which is more than twice the number of the people living on planet Earth right now. Amazing, isn't it? So Jesus didn't need Peter's little sword that night (laughs) that he had chosen to do so. Jesus could have commanded 72,000 magnificent, mighty, dazzling, glorious, overwhelming, powerful angels in the garden to obliterate the Roman soldiers and the temple police who had come to arrest him. In fact, the combined strength of 12 legions of angels could have wiped out the entire human race. But Jesus didn't call on supernatural help that was available to him. Why? Because he knew it was his time for him to voluntarily lay down his life for the sin of the human race. Revelation 5:11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 angels. That's a hundred million. And that's a mind-boggling number of angels God has created. Learn a lesson from Jesus. From the Apostle Peter, Jesus didn't need Peter's underside, undersized, insignificant sword to deal with his situation. What good would a single sword have been against all the troops assembled in the garden that night anyway? Peter's actions were a perfect example of how the flesh tries in vain to solve its own problems, but cannot. Jesus had all the power that was required to conquer those troops. As you face your own challenges in life, always keep in mind that Jesus has the power to fix any problem in any situation that you might be going through. Before you jump in and make things worse by taking matters into your own hands, remember the story of Peter the next time you're tempted to grab a sword and start swinging. Take a few minutes to remind yourself that Jesus can handle any situation 
and any problem without your intervention. Before you do anything else, pray and ask the Lord what you are supposed to do. Then after you receive your answers, follow his instructions and just watch the supernatural power of God come on the situation and solve the dilemma that you are facing. Do you remember the story in 2 Kings 6, 8 through 19, that the king of Syria warred against Israel? And when the servant of Elijah rose up early and went outside, the army had surrounded the city. And do you remember when Elijah prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And when the Lord opened his eyes, there were chariots of fire and there were angels everywhere. And it was more of us than there were of them. So there are more of us than there are of them. I remember a story that Rick Renner told about he and Denise. They were in Russia and uh, they were standing in line. And all of a sudden, the people that were in line with them were told they couldn't get on the plane. But Rick and Denise were escorted up on the plane and they were taken to first class. And the lady told them, you can sit anywhere you want to up here. And they were the only two people on the plane. Well, they flew to their destination in Russia and As they're flying, oh, they're chuckling and laughing and saying, can you believe we're on this big old airplane all by ourselves? We've got this all, this plane all, all to ourselves. And it's like we own it. It's ours and we're being treated like royalty. And on and on they went joking back and forth for the duration of that flight. When they landed, the curtain opened and there were like 85 or a hundred something mercenaries that were on the plane with them that were dressed in full regalia of the Russian army, and they didn't even know that those people were on the airplane with them. Well, that's how we are. We don't even know what's in this room today. Each one of you have a guardian angel. Each one of us have a guardian angel. So we know there's that many in here, 175, 200, maybe guardian angels in here. But imagine what God sent to be with us today, to celebrate him and to celebrate his glory, and to celebrate what he has done for us. Do you remember this picture right here? This was what I grew up with. My grandmother had this picture hanging in her living room when I was a little bitty girl. You're all familiar with this picture, right? And I grew up believing that I had a guardian angel. And I want you to know that kept me from doing a lot of wrong when I was growing up. Because I knew I had one. And he was right there watching what I did and and would tell the Father God what the wrong I'd done. So he kept me on the straight and narrow most of my life, you know. But we do. It's not taught anymore in our churches. It's not taught to our little children that they have protection and that they have a guardian angel. So let's, let's continue on here. Angels are warriors. This is the first time we see angels in the Bible is in Genesis 3.24, where God places an angel at the gate of the garden, Eden, with a flaming sword to prevent Adam and Eve from coming back in. And throughout the word of God, we see them as warriors. Um, and, um, you know, uh, well, let me skip past that because I don't want to do any of that. It takes up too much time. Angels protect God's people. That's where I want to get. Angels serve God. Angels praise God. Angels carry out God's judgment. Angels are messengers. Angels encourage people. Angels provide 
uh, provision for you. And uh, I want to give you a few, few stories that happened in our life. When Jerry and I first got married, he worked at an Army ammunition plant right outside of uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, where we were raised. And uh, he made uh, uh, shell casings. We were in uh, Vietnam War. And his job, they made uh, shell casings for those uh, shells that were used uh, for, uh, what am I trying to use? For ammunition. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, But anyway... He loved his job. He loved working there. But one day, and it was on a Sunday, I believe it was, uh, he was getting extra pay because you've worked on the weekends. You got extra. And so one of the managers came by and said, uh, down below, you, there is a, an area where the uh, shavings would, would be flushed down there, and it had clogged up, and the water had sludge and everything, and it went out to this pond that they had made. And he said, I need a volunteer who will go down into the, the hole and see why it's clogged up, check, check out what's going on. And he said, we'll pay such and such. Jerry said, I'll volunteer. I'll do it. So uh, Jerry climbed down that ladder and got down in that hole where those metal shavings were in that sludge, and it was up to his waist. And he said, I can't see anything down here. He said, can someone drop a light down to me? And he said, about that time, he looked up and a drop light was coming down to him. Well, you know, when that drop light hits that metal shavings in that water, he's a dead man. And he looked up and he saw it coming. And he said, all of a sudden, all he could think of was, Lord, tell my wife I love her. Tell my children I love them. He said he knew his life was over. And he said, all of a sudden, the light went out. And he come climbing up out of that ladder and got out, uh, up, on the, up on the floor. And a man said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I tripped over that cord that was plugged in the wall right there. Do you think it was an accident? Oh, I've got goosebumps all over me. That he tripped over the cord and pulled it out of the wall just at the very second that that electricity was going to hit that water and kill my husband. An angel of the Lord had that happen. Jerry said to the man, he says, I'm going home. I don't need this money and I don't need this job. And Jerry came home and he shook for two days. He literally shook for two days because he saw his life was over. So... That was an angel that came and intervened. And look, we've had all these years together after that. I mean, his life, God had a plan for his life. So angels are sent to serve God. They're sent to praise God. They're sent to carry out God's judgment. Angels are messengers to protect God's people. And oh, I just found out yesterday, and angels are sent for provision. I cannot wait. My husband did not know because he comes and goes. He's been gone for a week and he was home a few days and he left again this morning for another week. I hadn't even told him what I was going to teach on or what my lady's theme was about or anything. So I wanted him to see what we had done and I brought him down about two o'clock yesterday. I said, I want you to see how beautiful it is. And he said, are you teaching on angels? I said, yes, that's what our weekend's about. He said, I just taught on angels two nights in Canada last week, and he's going to teach on provision. 
And I said, Jerry, that's what I didn't have time to get to in my notes because I need three hours to teach on it all. And he says, well, I'll be teaching it the next few weeks at church. So see, God provided for what what we need to hear and what we need to walk in faith about in our lives. Okay. Years ago, and I know you all that come to this church have heard this story, but there's a few of you haven't, and I'll quickly go through it again, not to bore you with it because you've heard it. But when Jerry and I first moved here and we were so desperately poor and we couldn't even buy tires and you heard how Jerry had to buy retread tires because we couldn't buy new tires. And uh, we were driving to Oklahoma City and we needed tires so badly. And we had pulled off at a little uh, Dairy Queen to eat and as our old clunker of a car was getting back on the interstate And Cassidy, this is the honest truth. We had to pray it would go. I mean, and it would just pick up speed at its own pace. And he would have to really make sure there was no traffic coming for us to get up on the interstate until it got to going. Well, Jerry and I had prayed and believed God for new tires. And all of a sudden, we looked up and we saw two tires rolling down the road towards us. You all have heard the story. But these two tires were rolling towards us. Well, as it got nearer to us, it just they just both rolled over into the ditch. Well, Jerry pulled our car up off onto the side of the road and got out and put the two tires in the trunk of our car. Well, when we got to Oklahoma City, he called the Firestone companies and asked them, there are two tires that fell off your Firestone truck. We saw it happen. And uh, I wanted you to come get these and take it. Well, they said, no, no, sir, they're yours. Jerry went out and opened the trunk of the car and looked down. There were the two tires that fit our car. And they were exactly what we prayed and believed God for. <laughs> Do you not think I believe that an angel went thump, thump? There's the tires that they need. You know? So I believe it. I truly, truly believe it. Years ago, uh, The family had gone, Terry was in Texas Tech in Lubbock, and my grandson, oldest grandson, was just a little boy, and I'm not even sure if we had Preston then, but we did have Mark James, and uh, we had gone to to visit Terry that weekend, and we're coming back, and somewhere out there, there there's a Dairy Queen that had uh, little uh, Western saddles for the seats for the children to sit on, and I thought, you know... I think Mark James would love that. And Preston would love sitting on those little saddles and eating ice cream and stuff. I said to the family, let's pull off there and let's, let's let the kids sit on the saddles and let's, let's eat some ice cream. And you'd have to know me back then I was this size and I didn't eat ice cream. Now I'm this size and I eat ice cream all the time. And that's the reason I'm this size is because I love ice cream. But we pulled off the side of the road and went to that little place and And we put the kids up on the saddles and let them play and eat their ice cream. We had so much fun. So after about 30 minutes, we all got back in the car and headed back to Fort Worth. And about 20 minutes from there, we came upon the most horrific scene I'd ever witnessed in my life. It was like an eight-car collision, a car coming westbound, it should have been in the other lanes, was over in the eastbound lanes. And he hit all these cars. And there were like eight cars with dead people. They were laying out on the roads. Windshields were broken and bodies were hanging out the windshields. And, and it was just, it, it took me days 
after I saw this, to pray, to get that scene out of my mind because it was the most grievous sight I'd ever witnessed. And do you know, I believe with all of my heart, we were instructed by the Holy Ghost, even though I don't, didn't eat ice cream then, to pull over and let the children enjoy this, that it was divine guidance by God and by the angels of God that kept us safe that day. But we would have been right in that collision. Without any doubt in my mind, I know we would have been. I want to encourage you to know that there are angels on assignment sent to minister to you and to protect you in times of danger and uh, his an- who qualify for this angelic protection. We qualify for this angelic protection. Hebrews 1.14 states that you must be an heir of salvation. You must be a child of God. And if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you qualify for the angelic protection. And it's time for us to recognize the angels have been assigned to you and to call upon them as we travel through the twists and turns of life that we endure every single day. Psalms 34, 7 declares, The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear them and deliver them. Hebrews 1, 14 states that you must be an heir of salvation, that you must be a child of God. Um, Let me find this other thing I want to go to. Oh, I want to tell you this story before I forget it. When Jerry was a teenager, uh, you know, his dad worked on cars and he had a garage down behind his house. And, and when they'd get off work, that was their fun together as father and son. And so Jerry's daddy telling him, do not use that kind of jack when you go to get underneath the car. He said, because it is notorious for collapsing. And I don't want you ever under that car and that jack collapse onto you. Well, Jerry's daddy was gone, and Jerry came in from high school one day, and he said, oh, I need to do this and this for my car. Well, he went down there and used the jack, because dad said that was notorious for collapsing. And as he got under the car, he saw the car falling down on his chest. Next thing he knew, he was standing out there. An angel of the Lord pulled him out from underneath that car, and the next thing he knew, he's standing up looking at that car that had collapsed. The last thought he had was, it's over. It's coming down on my chest and I'm crushed. But an angel jerked him out and he was standing up out there looking back at the car that had collapsed. Oh, what a God we serve. What a God we serve. Oh my goodness, he's so good. Now, I want to read to you of us being heirs of salvation. Hebrews 1, I'm going to be reading a lot of scriptures. Is that okay with you? Because the way I've got it written in the Passion is just so good. Um, God, who in different times and in different ways spoken to us by the fathers, by our fathers and by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, by whom he also made the worlds. He is the sole expression of the glory of God and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had himself purged our sins, set down at the right hand of the majesty on high, taking a place of rank by which he himself became as much superior to the angels as the glorious name or title, which he has inherited in different 
from and more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I have begotten you. And again, I would be to him a father and he will be to me a son. And again, he brings in the firstborn son into the world. And he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers flames of fire. But as the son, he says to him, your throne, O God, is forever and ever and from ages to ages. And the scepter of your righteousness and your kingdom and justice is straightforward. You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions, above the angels. That's what companions means. And your Lord did lay the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain and continue permanently, and they will grow old like a garment. Like a mantle, you'll roll it up, and they should be changed. Yet you remain the same, and your years will never end, nor come to failure. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand, associate with my royal dignity, till I make your enemies a stool for your feet? Are not the angels, all ministering spirits, sent out in the service of God for the assistance of those who are to inherit salvation? Well, that's us. If you've made Jesus Christ your Savior and your Lord today, then you are the heirs of salvation. King James says, are they not all ministering spirit sent forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation? The phrase sent forth translated out of the Greek is apostolo, which means one who is dispatched on a mission. Therefore, the angels uh, spoken of in this verse are purposely dispatched on a mission to serve and to protect the heirs of salvation. It was and it remains the mission of the angels to serve the needs of the saints and to provide protection. Now, the Passion Translation in Hebrews 2.1. For God will not place the coming world of which we speak under the government of angels, but Scripture affirms, what is man that you would even think about him or care about Adam's race? You made him lower than the angels for a little while. You placed your glory and honor upon his head as a crown, and you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. For you have placed everything under his authority. And that means that God has left nothing outside the control of his son, even if presently we have not yet seen it accomplished. But we see Jesus, who as a man lived for a short time lower than the angels and has now been crowned with glorious honor because of what he suffered at his death. For it was by God's grace that he experienced death's bitterness on behalf of everyone. For now he towers above all creation, for all things exist through him and for him, and that God made him pioneer of our salvation, perfect through his sufferings. But this is how he brings many sons and daughters to his glory. Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy. And as sons and daughters, we now belong to his same Father. So he is not ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as his brothers and sisters. For he has said, I will reveal who you really are to my brothers and sisters, and I will glorify you with praises in the midst of the congregation. And my confidence rests in God. And again, he says, 
Here I am, one with the children Yahweh has given me. Since all his children have flesh and blood, so Jesus became human to fully identify with us. He did this so that we could ex- he could experience death and annihilate the effects of the intimidated accuser who holds against us the power of death. By embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. Oh, I don't dread death because of what Jesus did. For it is clear that he didn't do this for the angels, but for all the sons and daughters of Abraham. Do you know I did my DNA? And in my DNA, I have 0.1% Jew in me. Hallelujah. (laughs) I just got my results back this week. Hallelujah. So I'm a daughter of Abraham. So this is why he had to be a man and take hold of our humanity in every way. He made us his brothers and sisters and became our merciful and faithful high priest because God, as the one who removed our sins to make us one with him, he suffered and endured every test and temptation so that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. All power and authority has been given to Jesus. Ephesians 1, 17 and 23 says that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be flooded with light, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory inheritance of the saints. You have an inheritance. Glory to God. My children have an inheritance from Jerry and I. But what an inheritance we have from the Father God. And so that you may know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world that is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and given him head over all things to the church, which is his body and the fullness of him that fills all in all. The Amplified says, for in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and fills everything everywhere with himself. John 3.35 says, the father loves the son and is given, interested, committed all things and everything into his hand. So there is the sufficiency of Christ having spoiled principalities and powers and having made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. God dreamed in verse 15 in the Amplified, God, well, not dreamed, he disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in it at the cross. Philippians 2, 9 says, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, above every name. In the Garden of Eden, when God clothed Adam and Eve with his glory, and he crowned him, he crowned him. 
and made him have dominion and authority over all the earth. Well, you know how Lucifer was one of the archangels and how that he committed high treason against God and thought that he was so beauty, so beautiful, filled with splendor and glory, and he wanted to exalt himself above the Most High God. Well, you know, there was a war in heaven, and Michael the archangel fought against Satan, and he was kicked out of heaven, and he hit the sides of the earth. Well, Bible tells us, and, and uh, uh, history tells us, that this was originally Lucifer's domain. Planet Earth was his home. This is where he ruled and reigned. So this was his home. So when Satan was kicked out of heaven and he hit the sides of the earth, Genesis 1 tells us that earth became chaotic and there was gross darkness upon the face of the earth. And I don't know how many eons of time went by. It could have been thousands of years. It could have been millions of years. But one day God had enough. And he said, light be and light was. And that's when planet earth uh, came into a beautiful creation again. And that's when he said, let's make man in our image and after our likeness. And we are made after God's likeness and his image. We're made after Jesus's likenesses and image. And that's when he crowned man and gave him his crown of glory. And you know the story, how Satan came, his name was changed, Lucifer was changed to Satan, which uh, was light bringer or light giver, and now it's Beelzebub, Prince of Lies, you know, all of the horrible names that he now goes by. But that he came into the garden and tempted Eve, and Eve fell for it, and Adam was there with her, and they committed high treason in the Garden of Eden, and that crown of glory was taken from them. Well, everything has been prophesied through the Old Testament that the Redeemer would come, that Jesus would come. And thank God he did. He reduced himself from being in heaven and came and was born of a virgin. When God's spoken word became the seed and it went into the womb of Mary and the Holy Spirit hovered over that and she conceived by the word of God, the spoken word of God became a living being. And she gave birth, the virgin birth. And when Jesus came, and for 33 and a half years, he became a little lower than the angels. But I'm telling you, as a sacrifice of his own will, when he hung on the cross and he said, it is finished, when his spirit man was then Satan laughing and, and throwing a party because he had annihilated the Son of God, took him into hell, And on that third day, when God, the Supreme Court, the Supreme Judge of the universe, said it was enough that his son had paid the ultimate price and that the Holy Spirit went down into hell and infused life into Jesus. And when the Bible said he made a show of them openly, he triumphed over Satan. He triumphed over all those fallen angels. Can you imagine them being thrown back and just the disarray that hell itself had that day when Jesus rose from the dead? He rose from the dead. And then you see in the the New Testament in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 
where Jesus appeared. Oh my goodness. Let's read this in Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said unto them, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Matthew 10 says, and you go preach, say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils freely. You have received freely give. It says in Ephesians 1, 3, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Even as in his love, he chose us, picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world. But we should be holy, consecrated, set apart for him and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. For he foreordained us, destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted, revealed as his very own children through Jesus Christ in accordance as it was the purpose of his will because it pleased him and it was his kind intent so that we might be to the praise and the commendation of his glorious grace, faith and mercy, which he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption, deliverance, salvation through the blood, the remission, forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings and trespasses, in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor, which he lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding, practical insight and prudence, making known to us the mystery of his will and of his plan and of his purpose. And it is this. In accordance with his good pleasure, his merciful intention, which he has previously purposed and set forth in him, he planned for the maturity of the times and the climax of the ages to unify all things in us, in them, and consummate them in Christ, both things in heaven and things in earth. In him, we also were made God's heritage, and we obtained an inheritance For we have been foreordained, chosen, and appointed beforehand in accordance with his purpose, who works out everything with the agreement, with the counsel, and design of his will. And so that you may know and understand what is the immeasurable, unlimitless, and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above principalities and powers and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fill all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. Romans eight fifteen through 17. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, that, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, If so be, we suffer with him that we may be also glorified with him.
I want to conclude it with this. In Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, when they were looking up at him, he was caught up in a cloud and received and carried away out of their sight. And while they were gazing intently into heaven as he went up, behold, two men dressed in white robes suddenly stood beside them, who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who was caught away and lifted up from among you into heaven will return in just the same way in which you saw him go into heaven. So this is what he did that day when he told his disciples, power has been given unto me both in heaven and in earth. Now you go. He placed that crown of glory back on our heads. And we now, we now have the right According to the word of God, we are not lower than the angels. We've been elevated higher than the angels. And we have the right and the ability to speak God's word. And they hearken to God's word. And the thing that Satan tried to do in the Garden of Eden, which was take man's authority away, God has given us our authority, given us our authority again through Jesus. Jesus said, all power has been given unto me. Now I give it to you. You go in my name and you do these things. So we're his representatives on earth. No wonder Satan combats you like he does. Because we now have taken his place. And I love it when I read years ago, him being the praise and worship leader in heaven. Do you not think why he does not want you to stand in heaven when you're going through difficulties and problems and calamities in your life? When you have the ability to stand on planet earth and raise your hands and say, God, I glorify you. I magnify you as an act of my own will. I praise you. I exalt you. I adore you for you are God and alone. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. No wonder Satan hates you. It's because you took his position. You are now the one who can lead, praise, and worship in your own life. Hallelujah. We've been exalted. We've been exalted to a royal place. To a royal place. We are God's children. Hallelujah. Aren't those some wonderful scriptures? Hallelujah. Let's stand. And let me let you stretch your legs. Father, we love you today. We thank you for the word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus that he was willing to leave heaven and come to earth as a baby. And for 33 and a half years, he grew up subject to Satan. And how that he annihilated him and took back the authority that belongs to man. I thank you, Father, for that today. I bless you for the word that you have given us. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cassie.